We're going to be looking today, uh, Johnny said it already, man, how good God has been to us. How good, how good. God's grace from beginning to end. Now, I hope you're enjoying Ephesians. I hope it has been fun this far. I hope you have taken away good things uh, as we've been looking at the book of Ephesians. You know, the, the immeasurable greatness of God's goodness, the, the riches of our inheritance in the saints. There's been all sorts of good things already in Ephesians. But today, I'm a little biased, but today we get maybe the best part. Maybe the best part of Ephesians. You'll have to keep coming through the rest of the book to find out if it was the best. But Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is such a great summary of the gospel. Such a great summary of the gospel and life in the gospel. So we're going to look at it today. But first, I just want to tell you, this was not uh, God's grace and God's goodness from beginning to end was not always uh, how I viewed Christianity. When I was uh, growing up, we went to church all the time. I was always there. And I had uh, a good vocabulary of Christianity. I knew the words. I knew how to sound like I was a Christian. And I knew the template, you know, these are the things, the things Christians do. And so, you know, good works and Bible study and devotions and reading the Bible and all these things. I had a template and I had vocabulary. The only problem was I had no real desire to do any of it. <laughs> As you can see, that would be a slightly an, an obstacle um, because God cares about our heart and he sees everything, right? But... I, uh, I, I knew a lot of good things. And uh, like Todd talked about last week, you know, uh, when he does these desiring God groups and he asks people, what do you think God thinks, you know, when he looks at you or when he looks at humanity generally? And the two responses Todd talked about last week that, that people usually believe God feels is anger or frustration and disappointment. Now, I know that I felt that. Because when life got hard for me at the end of high school and things weren't going the way I thought they, I had planned them out to go, I said, well, the one logical conclusion is God is angry with me. And that's, that's what I decided. God is angry. And so what I need to do is go to this little Christian college that I didn't know existed that's in Fullerton, and I need to be a missionary in some remote corner of the world so that God will be happy with me and give me back the things that I want to do so that I can do what I want to do again. Now, this is horrible theology. This is bad theology. But that's what I thought. I thought, God took away the thing I love. He must be angry with me. So now I go and appease him. I put an alt something on the altar, you know, and then makes him happy. And now I get to do what I want again. That is not how Christianity works. And we're going to see in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9... Not at all. It has been God's goodness. It is God's goodness. Our work, what we do, flows from God's goodness. It is all God's goodness from beginning to end. So my hope this morning is that seeing a bigger picture of all that God has done from before the foundation of the world until the coming ages into eternity, that seeing this would empower us to do good works that he has for us to do today. So before the foundation of the world, into eternity and today, it is God's goodness. God's goodness from beginning to end. So I'm going to read the passage before we pray. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are God's, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Heavenly Father, would you teach us today, Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Would you teach us through your word, by your spirit, that we would see more of who you are and know how to walk in your good works? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, in all the excitement, I don't know if I ever introduced myself. My name's Keith. <laughs> I work here. I'm supposed to be up here at this moment. If you haven't met me before, that's my bad. Sorry. Um, but I'm, I'm glad you're all here and halfway through the sermon, hi. Um, so Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, God's grace saves sinners. Amen. Thank you, Lucy. God's grace saves sinners. So here it is. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So we got to start with by grace. Again, I told you I had a great vocabulary for Christianity. I just didn't know what any of it meant. So what does grace mean? First, we got to know that it's God's grace. We need to know this is personal. This comes from him. This is his unmerited, unwarranted, undeserved favor. His goodness, his kindness given personally, freely, directed to us. What it is not, it is not just an impersonal force, you know, like Star Wars or like luck or fortune or fate or karma. This is God's goodness, personal goodness from him to us. It's not a reward. It's not a reward for the good things that I've done. It's not a reward for the good things that I may do in the future. It's not a reward and it's not a loan. It's not a, hey, I'll do good things for you, Johnny, and now I own you for the rest of your life. You're going to be working under the weight of trying to impress me, which is never going to happen because I'm God. That's not what it is. It's grace. It's a gift. Paul's going to say it over and over. It's a gift. By grace, you have been saved. This is God's work. He's the one initiating it. So it's his undeserved kindness toward us. It's his initiative. We have been saved. Someone else from the outside had to come in and save us. And that someone is God. We have been saved through faith. His kindness, his initiative, through trusting his work. Paul, throughout this passage, is going to point us to God has done it. God has done it. God has done it. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. So just real quick grammar sidebar. The, the pronoun could refer to the faith, the faith, this is not your own doing, or it could refer to the grace, this grace is not your own doing. But in the grammar, it doesn't agree, the pronoun doesn't agree with either of those two. It agrees to the whole package, all of this stuff is God's grace. All of it, being saved by grace through faith is not your own doing. God did it and continues to do it. This is 
God's work that God deserves the praise for, that God gets the credit for. Remember last week, Todd talked about you were dead. Dead, dead, dead. In the trespasses and sins which you once walked. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Same phrase as in our passage today. You were dead and God made us alive. But God. Remember last week, Todd talked about you know, making shirts and hats and all kinds of merchandise, you know, with but God. Now, he was not specific about what that was going to look like. So I, I took some liberties. <laughs> you know, just because he didn't clarify, I get, you know, I, think, I feel like I get to have a little creative freedom, right? So I, I, here, here's the shirt I came up with. But God. <laughs> but God. See, but God. Now, I understand it's not the most glamorous picture of new life in Christ, but it's, it's, it meets, you know, the, he said, but God, that on the shirts and hats. There you go. That's the shirt. So now I myself, I went with a little more of uh, the sixth sense. You guys remember that old Bruce Willis movie? So I, I thought we should have this shirt that says, <laughs> I, say, I save dead people. <laughs> we were dead and God made us alive. That's the whole point. For by grace you have been saved and this is not your own doing. God did this. God gets all the credit. It is the gift of God. It is God's gift from beginning to end. Earlier in the letter he told us, Oops, I skipped one. There we go. Earlier in the letter, he told us, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. God's grace toward us started before there was anything. God's grace toward us started before there was anything. And it goes into eternity. In the passage from last week, God, being rich in mercy, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, for ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And that goes on and on and, ever, and on. Do you think in heaven there is going to be less grace from God to us? No way. More and more and more of God's goodness, unfiltered, undeterred uh, by our brokenness. We're going to see it completely. From beginning to end, it is God's gift. And God's grace destroys boasting. Uh, by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not a your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one could boast. Do you remember how we got into this problem of deadness? How we got dead? 
in Genesis 3, uh, Satan comes to, to Adam and Eve and says, you know, I know God said you're not supposed to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I know, I know, I know. But he said to the woman, you're not surely going to die. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So what do they do? They eat of it. And from there on, deadness entered and was passed on to every subsequent human. We want to control our own environment. They said to God, hey, you, why did you put a tree in here if we're not allowed to eat from it? We want to be able to eat from whatever we want to eat from. That looks like a good tree. I want some of that. I want to be God. I want to be in charge. I want to make the decisions. I want to control the means of blessing and punishment. I know right now, God, that's your, your purview. That's your prerogative. But I want that ability. And not only that, I want to decide what is good and what is evil. Does that sound at all like our culture? This is the state of humanity without God's grace, without accepting all the goodness God has done for us. This is where we live. I want to be in charge. And so the remedy that God gives in the gospel is you've got to trust me for the good things. You've got to trust that I am in charge of blessing and punishment. You've got to trust that I am in charge of what is good and what is evil. And you've got to trust me. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not a result of works, so that no one, no one could boast. The antidote has got to fit the disease so we want to trust ourselves, we want, to, we want to boast in what we can do. God says the way you're going to be saved and know my grace is to trust me and trust in my goodness. Look at all the ways, ten times in just these three verses that Paul points us to God's action, God's initiative, and God's goodness. For by God, the first one, God's grace, you've been saved by God through faith, in God's work. And this is not your own doing, it's God's doing, fourth time. It's the gift of God, fifth time, and not the result of your works, but God's work, so that no one may boast unless they boast in God. For we are God's workmanship, created by God, ninth time, in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand. This is the good news. Ten times God is working on our behalf, working for our good, working to save us. And those bottom two lines are our response. To walk in the good things he has prepared for us. We heard and we believed, and now we walk. 
in the good things God has prepared for us since before there was anything. Now, I was trying to think in the culture of, of where we might see, where, where do we see any kind of picture in popular culture, daily life, uh, this, a, a picture of God that is, that is big, that is 10 to 1 big, that is, uh, you know, elevating God on, on the level that we're kind of talking about here. And the only thing that I, I could think of, I saw this uh, bumper sticker, you know, that he is, is greater than I, God's bigger than me. And I know anything on a bumper sticker, right? It's always going to be, it's always going to be a little dicey, right? Because you got to cut stuff out. You got to make it fit on a bumper sticker, right? So to say that this is an understatement is, is obvious, right? That, that God's bigger than me. Um, I mean, there's, to the point of insulting, that's, that's an understatement, right? Now, if it had said, you know, God is, is bigger than Todd Chapman, then we're like, oh, okay, now we're, now we're you know, now, now we got the scope of it, you know, now, now we're getting a little closer. Uh, now, but what if it said, God is bigger, greater than everything that is, that was, or that we could ever imagine. Now that doesn't fit so well on a bumper sticker, but God is bigger than everything we know or could imagine, and he loves us. From before he created everything, from before he created anything, he loves us. He's bigger than it all. And his grace, his grace, his grace, his grace has poured out on us. It destroys boasting and it empowers good works. So, again, I told you I had this template growing up. You know, here's what a good Christian does. You know, they read their Bible, they go to church, all that stuff. But I just didn't care. I just didn't want to do them. <laughs> Unless there was something in it for me, I was not interested um, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So grace leads to work. When we have this picture of, of who God is and what he's done, it leads to work. It leads, just like in the garden, Adam and Eve were put in that garden, were given work to do, and it was good. It was good work. It wasn't oppressive. It wasn't, it wasn't frustrating. It was good. There was purpose. Um, and we're going to see the same thing for us. By grace, you have been saved for good works that we should walk in them. All that other stuff is grace, 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 that we might participate in these good works. But we need the reminder that we're not earning anything here. We're not earning anything by doing good works. You know, I thought, I got to go to this little Christian college and go, you know, be a missionary in, a, in some corner of the world so I can earn God's goodness back for me. I got to put my offering up on the altar so God will be happy with me again and will give me what I want so I can manipulate God to get what I want. We're not earning Anything, his favor, favor, his blessings, his kindness, none of it. Also, we're not paying back a debt. This was not a loan. 
and we're not glorifying ourselves. There's no room for boasting when we're trusting in what God has done on our behalf. So we get to participate in the works he prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, I just cited two, one from Jeremiah and one from Ezekiel, just to give us a picture of what this looks like. God talks a lot about putting us, putting a new heart in us. I did not have a, a new heart as I was growing up and, and looking at works as kind of this thing I dreaded, things I, things I had to do but didn't want to do. They fit the template, but I had no desire to do them. Uh, if we read the Ezekiel one at the bottom, here's what God prophesied through Ezekiel that, that it would be like this new life in grace. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. God has always wanted us to obey from the heart. Not because we feel like we should, not because we're obligated, not because if we don't, we get the, you know, beat on the, on the knuckles. Like he has always wanted us to desire him, to trust him that he knows better and to follow from the heart. And that's what this grace accomplishes. We were saved by God's grace for good works that we could respond with our heart. So these good works flow from a new heart. Um, I told you when I first went to, went to college, um, I, I, I went because I thought I could appease God. You know, I went for all the wrong reasons. And then I get there, and God is so good, I, I ended up coming to faith my freshman year of, of college. My roommates would not allow me <laughs> to, to hang on to my vocabulary where I knew none of what the words meant. They would not allow me to hang on to this template of here's what a good Christian looks like and just live in guilt and shame because I didn't want to do any of it. They poked and they poked and they asked until I realized, you know what, I don't have that new heart. I don't have the desire. Unless there was something in it, I had no desire. So I came to faith. That was October of my first year of school. And in the spring of that first year of school, I decided uh, to start volunteering at a, a little church in Bell Gardens uh, out in L.A. that was struggling. Uh, I got no course credit. Um, uh, my girlfriend was not going there. That would have been, that was mostly the factor that brought me here, just so you know. My, my girlfriend, uh, who is now my wife, this is her church. Um, so, <laughs> so you can blame her, thank her, I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was, there was no course credit. Uh, my girlfriend was not there. Um, I, they were not paying me to be there. Uh, they did not pay for my gas, and they did not buy me lunch. There was no reason for me to drive 45 minutes into L.A. every Sunday to help people learn about Jesus. And I didn't need a reason. 
helping people learn about Jesus was enough for the first time in my life. And I think that kind of work is the work God wants to build in us. Now, it may not be that you're, you know, driving into L.A. and, and, and helping a church. Like, it could just be you're talking to your neighbor. It could just be the way you interact with your coworkers. It could be, it could be a, a bazillion. That's a real, real number. It could be a bazillion things. But it's good work that flows from our hearts that has no other motive than that they would see God's goodness through something that I could say or do. And that's enough. But it flows from a new heart. It flows from our seeing how incredibly good God has been to us. Indescribably good. And it gives us purpose. So it's not that there's no benefit to us. Like, these were the, the works that God planned for us in advance. These are good things to do. We get to be part of he, him, him. I'm going to say him. We get to be part of his. How about his? He gets to be part of. <laughs> I did go to school once upon a time. <laughs> Just so you know. And language was my major. <laughs> we get to be part of his purpose, his kingdom, his work. And he puts us to work in it. There's no glory for us. There's no earning for us. We're not paying him back. We could never pay him back. But we get to be a part of the God of the universe doing a miracle in people's minds and hearts and saving them from a horrible, horrible eternity separated from him. We have great things to be doing. God-glorifying works are entered with excitement. This is amazing. God planned way, way, way over here before he created anything. He planned good things for us to be involved in. Today, today you have things that God thought about back here before he created anything that you would walk in them today. The conversations you're going to have today, the people you're going to interact with today. God planned those things. He has those waiting for you. And we get to walk into them with excitement. Say, Lord, wake up and say, Lord, what, what do you have today? What do I get to be involved in today? How am I going to see you at work today? And that's a great thing. It's going to involve looking outside of ourselves and caring about other people. Just want to warn you, you know, me trying to uh, appease God so that I could get what I wanted, um, not the best, not the most mature, not a good outlook. Um, we're going to start looking at what is good for other people. 
What's in their best interest? Um, Paul is just cracking the, the door open for what these works are going to look like. Chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6, he's going to get very specific about very specific work he wants this, these Ephesian believers to be doing. And if we just looked at chapter 4, 1 to 3, he gives us this quick little summary of, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I want you to walk in, in gentleness, in humility, in patience, bearing with one another in love, caring for one another in love, maintaining the bond uh, of unity and of peace. He's going to describe those in great detail, how those get lived out in our lives, but it's going to involve us looking out, outward, and caring about others. God-glorifying works, pursue God. Remember, I had this template where all the like, things you do that Christians do to pursue God, they, uh, they are good things. But when I came to this view of grace and, and not earning, I threw them all away. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to read my Bible. I don't have to. I'm not going to tell people about Jesus. I don't have to. I'm not going to do a quiet time. I'm not going to pray. Now, I really didn't go this far. But you, one, one could say, you know, I'm throwing everything out. It's all grace. Woohoo! But those things are for our good. What I saw them as was for earning. I'm going to do these things to, to make God happy with me. I'm going to do these things because I'm, I'm earning some, like, brownie points on my way to heaven or, you know, like merit badges or whatever. That's not what they are. My view of them was wrong. The things themselves are great. Getting to know this God through his word. Praying, interacting, relating with this personal God who knows you and loves you personally. That's a great thing. Being in a, a life group, a small group, a community with other people who love God, who encourage you to love God more. That's a great thing. So we don't stop pursuing those things. But now we pursue them from the heart. Now we pursue them not because I'm going to look good in front of so-and-so or so-and-so. Now I do it because God has changed my heart and because it's good. God-glorifying works come from confidence. When we know that God loves us and he's loved us from before the foundation of the world, what does that confidence look like? No matter what happens today, what does that confidence look like? When you put your head on the pillow tonight, no matter what happens today, no matter how many things go wrong, this love that God had for you before the foundation of the world does not change. It has not gone away. It has not lessened. It didn't dissipate. It didn't disappear. That love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that gives us great confidence to do whatever God has for us. We don't know what it's going to be. We're just walking into it. 
but we can have great confidence. And whatever we're doing, giving of our time, our talent, our resources, whatever, whatever we're doing, whether we're speaking, whether we're listening, every single thing that we are a part of, everything from beginning to end flows from God's grace and is to the praise, for the praise of his glorious grace, his overwhelming, immeasurable grace that has been poured out on us, that takes out that dead heart and puts in a new heart that we could walk in purpose, in excitement, in joy with this God who has brought us from death to life. So this morning, walking in these good works, what is that going to look like? What's it going to look like to walk in good works? First, we're going to look inside. We're going to say, Lord, I know I need a new heart in order to do this. So, Lord, if ever I'm holding on to that old heart, help me to let it go. So that I don't have any trace of boasting or earning or, you know, that I have to pay you back for this loan you've given me of grace. If there's any of that, any of that feeling like we've got to do things out of duty, out of obligation or whatever, Lord, help us to let that go. And then we got to look out. You remember in uh, January we did this uh, um, pray and watch list where we were just identifying who are the people that God's put in our lives, in our, in our everyday life, in our work life, in our family. Who are the people that, that we're interacting with that don't yet know this grace? We can be praying. We can be watching. Lord, what are you going to do? How, am I, how do you have me involved in this situation? How can I be involved? What can I do proactively or reactively? Lord, you want me somehow to show your grace. So, Lord, give me uh, eyes to see it. And then we can pray for opportunities. We're going to sing a song, uh, two songs as the band comes back up. The first one is our prayer. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Imagine all of us in our everyday lives, everywhere we go, showing people God's grace in ways that they can feel it, that they can see it. The darkness does not want that. The darkness wants people who think they're earning their way to heaven, just like everybody else. Ah, as long as the scales are more good than bad at the end of the day, I'm okay. No, you're not. <laughs> Imagine all of us just living from a new heart with no other motive than that they see God's goodness. 
in every conversation and every relationship. And then the last song we're going to sing is we're just going to praise. We're going to raise a hallelujah. We're going to shout to the Lord. We're going to say, Lord, you are so good. You have been so good. You're good today and you will be good forever. You planned out this stuff from before there was anything and then it's going to go into eternity. Lord, you are so good to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are indeed so good. You are so good to us. Lord, it has been your goodness, your grace to us from beginning to end. From before the creation of the world into today. And it will go for eternity. Lord, we are grateful. We're grateful for the good things you've done. We are grateful that you have given us good things to do. You've given us good work, Lord. We want to respond with that new heart. We want to respond with good things that point people to your goodness because we know it, we've received it, we celebrate it. And Lord, we want other people to see it. So whatever you have in mind for us today, whatever conversations, whatever relationships, Lord, would you just infuse it inside and out with your grace, with your goodness, that the people we come in contact would see it and feel it and know it. In Jesus' name, amen.